1: The 2021 NFL Draft is officially behind us, and that's a good thing because I know that some of you haven't been going outside and getting the sweet, sweet oxygen and vitamin D that you should be getting. And how do I know this? You've been trapped in your basement and you've been on the computer or on your phone sending me these crazy mock drafts from PFF for the Draft Network, uh, and uh, none of those scenarios actually ended up happening. I, I don't know who the Chargers took. But it probably wasn't anyone you projected to them because that's Tom Telesco. Anyway, now that you can go outside again, you need to shave that beard off your face or you need to shave your grundle down there. Whatever you need to do because you've been ignoring your hygiene is that you want to go to manscaped.com and use code GUILTY for 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's manscaped.com and use code GUILTY for 20% off your first purchase. It's on us. At least 20% of it is on us. 80% of it will be on you. But... Fix your hygiene and stop sending me your mock drafts. At least I get a reprieve for eight months. And you get a reprieve for my shitty draft takes, too. Oh, my God. You guys are going to start sending me your 2022 mock drafts, aren't you?
2: Hey guys, welcome in to the Guilty Charge Charged podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Steven. I am your host. Joining me as always are Alex and Tyler.
1: Alex, how are you doing today, man? Uh, doing pretty good. Uh, everything seems to be going well. And I'd just like to start the show by saying uh, it's good that everything's okay with Tyler's sister. Uh, she's better since the live stream. So thoughts with that and uh, we're good.
3: Yeah, she's doing much better. We went to the movies last night, and we had to wheel her up, or actually, we had to carry her up, and she had to wear sunglasses just to watch the movie because of her concussion, but by golly, she pushes through. Uh, Amanda, if you're listening, and occasionally she does, congratulations on graduating with a 4.0. Can't wait to see what you do in the future.
2: And the Shun family is a bunch of brainiacs. Congratulations on graduating, and congrats to anyone else who is listening to this show and is graduating, whether that be, you know, master's degrees, Undergraduate or high school by chance. Uh, congrats on graduating—that's a huge deal. So, uh, we're gonna continue our theme from last season today, or last two episodes ago, excuse me. Uh, talking about how the Chargers could lose every single game. Uh, obviously, not—they're not gonna go and see it at 17, but you know what I mean. Um, and we're also gonna highlight really quickly some things uh, from Tom Telesco's live Q&A that he did on Thursday. And I think the first and most important thing is that he said that the uh, one-day contract of Philip Rivers and retiring of a Charger is going to be happening sooner rather than later. And he said that there is no doubt that it's going to happen. So, Tyler, uh, what do you make of that whole situation and, and, you know, Philip Rivers getting the chance to retire a Charger, hopefully here in in the near future?
3: Yeah, as it should be. I wasn't really worried about when this was going to happen. It was going to take place. I kind of just figured once the you know COVID restrictions were lifted, then they would start to announce when this could happen because a whole city and a half is going to show up for this. And, you know, if they hold it in Los Angeles, I would understand, but I really hope this thing is in San Diego or at least somewhere around there. Um, it's, obviously, it can't be at Qualcomm, so I don't know where they would hold it. <laughs> um, but, you know, somewhere down there, wherever he wants to go, it, it's Philip Rivers and, Hopefully, I can get down there, too. So, I'm glad this is happening. I was never worried it was going to happen. And now that things are starting to, you know, lift a little bit, um, sounds like we'll get an announcement soon.
1: Yeah, and uh, Coach Rivers is busy with his his team (laughs) in Alabama. So, he has to take some time off to sign that one-day contract. But, yeah, I I was never worried that he wasn't going to retire a charger. It felt like it was just going to be that way the whole time. The thing I'm more curious about is – what they're going to do with Gates and Rivers and when they're going to mm-hmm. have, like, number retirements because I, I assume yeah. both of their numbers will be retired. But when? I mean, I think it would be really cool if they did both of them together, but maybe both of them want their separate days. I don't know. But Yeah, that would be a, a lot of fun for sure. looks like we lost Alex
2: there for a second. Um, so hopefully he's able to get back soon. But, you know, I, I think I have to say really quickly, my, my football coaches growing up all, you know, cussing was – a very regular thing. Right. And so <laughs> playing high school football for a coach that literally never cusses, I think would be a, a hilarious turn of events. So I, I I'm hopeful that, you know, Phil Rivers is able to, you know, handle that success and, and do a good job down there. But yeah, I agree. I was never really worried about this happening. I think, you know, the Chargers have, have done a good job. I feel like of sending out their legendary the uh, players. I'm, right? I'm really excited. Oh, sorry about that. Looks like Alex is uh, leaving us for a second. There he is. All right. So, yeah, I, I personally was never really worried about, you know, Phil Rivers retiring a Charger. I thought it was going to happen, and, and you know, I hadn't even like put two and two together of of COVID, you know, maybe kind of restricting things. So that's a good call by on Tyler's part. And, and yeah, I would love to see Rivers and, and Gates's numbers being retired. I think that's that's a no brainer. I, I think the last the last jersey number that was retired was was Fouts?
3: No, it's LT. LT. Oh, duh. Unless they retired yeah. Seau's number after his – no, I don't remember when they retired Seau's. Did they retire? No, him? Seau had to be before that, I think. Yeah, I just wasn't sure when. Like, I don't know if it was posthumous or not. Okay, never mind. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know
2: why I said that. Uh, but it's really no more than that, you know, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> I was looking on the Chargers' website the other day, too, and I saw that Antonio Gates was listed – as their Legends Ambassador officially on the website. So, you know, we, he's been around the facility a lot more recently. You know, he was obviously did the – he announced one of the draft picks, and then uh, this past weekend he was able to spend some time with Taylor. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of curious to see, like, oh, maybe he's doing something official with the team or, you know, what's going on there. And he is listed as the Legends Ambassador. So I don't know what that means. Uh, but it's obviously it's it's great to see Antonio Gates back around the facility, back around the team, and you know anytime you can get a legendary player like that around the team more often, I think that's a good thing.
1: Is an LT also uh, some kind of ambassador? I think
2: it's not he, something like that. He's like a special advisor for the team, oh. so I think he, I think he serves in like a minimal role with them, but I, I know he is mm-hmm. he has an a, like a more official role than Legends ambassador, I think. <laughs>
3: It's nice to see him around the facility for sure. He just has a certain presence about him. He's he's just kind of like calm and chill, but so warm and, and welcoming, it, it seems, at least with Taylor. Um, and, you know, and he really is a legend, and that's why I would wear his number if I joined the NFL. Right, Alex?
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, as a tribute to
2: Gates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was funny. All right, so the other thing, uh, we kind of talked about this on our live stream on Friday, but uh, Tom Telesco did really shut the door as much as he possibly could have about the about a potential return of Melvin Ingram to the Chargers, um, which was funny because the next day Bill Barnwell wrote an article <laughs> predicting that he was going to return to the Chargers, and it's like, yep. well, someone obviously missed the Q&A. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he, I mean, he pretty much said – like, he flat out said he's going to land somewhere else in the right spot. So um, that's not going to happen. Alex and I kind of gave some predictions about where we think he's going to end up. But, Tyler, do you think – do you think even Ingram is done? Do you think he ends up signing somewhere else? What do you make of the whole situation there?
3: I'm just a little surprised to hear him say basically outright that that door is closed and I hope he does well elsewhere. I'm sure we hope he does well elsewhere, but – right. like. And Wosu goes down, Wosu goes down, and he's just sitting there, and we're like, well, I hope he does well elsewhere, or are we going to sign Melvin Ingram? You know, Granted, he didn't finish season very well, but he started it very well, and there should be something there, And unless he's just asking for way too much money. I don't know if there's a number being circulated right now. If he wants to be a starter somewhere, and he's asking for starter money, he's definitely not going to get it with the Chargers, but... To shut the door is a little surprising. Like, I don't. I guess at this point, I don't want anything to be taken away from Wosu, and that seems to be their plan. Let's. He's. We're all in on him for a year. Let's see how it goes. But when push comes to shove, and injuries happen, like, I'm. I'm I'm giving him a call. There's not a lot of guys left on the market that I give a call. So, you know, if he goes to the Dolphins, great. If he goes somewhere else, fine. As long as he doesn't go to the Chiefs or the Raiders, I'm cool.
1: Yeah, I just don't know where in the league he could go where he would be a starter at this point. Like, it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like there is a team. Um, The Chiefs were kind of like maybe there's some kind of rotational role for him there, but, like, that didn't pan out, and the Dolphins, uh, I mean, have quite a few pass rushers at this point. So it's just, like, I feel like at this point he's kind of going for maybe a situational, like, backup pass rusher role. Um As for why he wouldn't fit on this team, like, I totally understand sort of why you kind of probably wouldn't want Melvin Ingram in a Staley scheme. Uh, It just doesn't seem like it would be a fit, you know, perhaps if Lynn and Bradley were back. uh, That would make a little bit more sense, but um, I I don't know if the door is closed entirely. I mean, I think, yeah, if something happens and Buchanan Wosu tears his ACL or something or, God forbid, something happens, like, I think that could still be a thing, but... I do ultimately think he probably signs somewhere else, uh, either like right before the preseason or right prior to training camp.
2: Yeah, and I mean injuries happen on other teams too, so it is it is right. possible that he you know signs in training camp with another team and, and does end up starting. But um, right now, it certainly looks like the market is pretty jacked. because he met with the Dolphins early this week, and we haven't heard about any you know, the meeting went really well or, you know, he's going to sign or like he's waiting for such and such. So we haven't really heard anything on the Dolphins front, which is, is a little surprising, but obviously we'll keep an eye on on that situation. And if the Chargers do have any injuries to an edge rusher, you know, I 100% would be in favor of bringing back Melvin Ingram instead of starting Kyler Fackrell or Chris Rumpf too early. So, um, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, best position versus position, Alex on our live show. And, Anna and Alex mentioned the edge rusher because, you know, the depth behind Joey Bosa just – it's it's okay. It's, it's a few situational pass rushers. But, you know, ideally in the NFL, you know, you'd like to have two legitimate, you know, starting pass rushers. And I don't know if that's the case with the Chargers. And no one really knows that with him most. So I think we're all excited about his future and his potential. But, you know, we haven't seen him put it together for – you know, even like an eight game stretch, let alone an entire 17 game season.
3: Brought that huh. up as one of the weaker positions on the
1: roster? Or er, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean, I just think it's a weak one in terms of depth because if you really say most of Mosu goes down and then you have to put rum for, or, you know, Fackrel in there, um, I don't love that, especially from like a run stopping standpoint. Um, I think that would create a situation where you just get ran on. And then at that point you might be like, Hey, maybe we should put Jerry Tillery out at edge. (laughs) That that might be your best option. Um, But yeah, I I think it's like Steven talked about with the safety room. The edge room is just kind of like one Joey Bosa concussion, one, you know, something going wrong away from kind of being a train wreck. Um, And I don't think it'll get that bad, but yeah, I, I would totally be in favor of signing Melvin Ingram or really any edge kind of on the market who is more fit for a starting role.
2: Yeah, so that was a that was an interesting conversation that we were able to have. I'm just curious now uh, what other edge rushers are currently available. So um, I know Olivier Vernon is still a free agent. Um, he's somebody that I think it, it was pretty underrated over the past couple of years with the Browns. I think that he was was pretty effective there. Um let me see really quick if Spot Track will
3: load. It's like clowny maybe Oh Clowney well, signed with the Browns, place. yeah. Oh geez, who didn't sign with the Browns? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we really reloaded. Sorry about this.
2: After this we'll get to our uh, seventeen game uh stretch for a second.
3: I'd like to take this time to thank Matt Gay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hope he has a great day. I hope he has a great day as well. <laughs> um all right, so free agents in terms of edge rushers, Justin Houston is still available. Um we've mentioned KJ Wright several times. Alex Okafer, it's pretty dry. Um Ezekiel onsaw Jabal Sheard, yeah, it's it's not great at all. Um Kyle Emanuel, baby, let's go. Fire it up. (laughs) God, no.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: Listen to the marketplace wherever you get your podcast.
2: Um, all right, so we'll move on to our, uh, our 17 game schedule, We're breaking down how the Chargers could potentially lose each of these 17 games. And Tyler is going to kick us off. We're doing a different order this time. Uh, Tyler is going to kick us off with the Washington football team for week one.
3: I mean, the obvious answer is the offensive line versus the defensive line. So I'll go in a slightly different direction, whatever. Um, there's a chance, in my opinion, that what well, the Washington football team has too many pass catchers on the offensive side of the ball and that the Chargers can't keep up with them on defense this early in the season. So obviously you have Terry McLaurin, you add Curtis Samuel, then you add Deami Brown, who I think should have been a second-round pick, and you add you know some guys, you know, an Adam Humphreys, a Dax Mill and even Jared Patterson, I guess. Um, but I'm really worried about McKissick and Gibson and McKissick... McS- McKissick already had a pretty solid season last season as a receiver, lining up a receiver thirty five percent of the time last season and had five hundred and five yards after the catch as well. But then an article came out recently that Gibson is also going to be involved more as a receiver. Granted, that could just be out of the backfield, but if they decide to line him up and he only lined up out in the out wide or in the slot fifteen percent of the time last season, but he did average eight point five yards after the catch as well. So when it comes to not that the Washington Football Team ran a lot of empty or four wide receivers or whatever, but you know, should they deploy all their weapons during that game? I don't know if the Chargers are four or five deep enough at defensive back or however they decide to cover those the certain situations. And so I, I'm a little bit worried that they don't have that put together yet. Um, but we'll see. Like I think I think they do have enough hats to make it work. I just don't know if they're that gelled and put together because at that point. If you have four guys on four guys, five guys on five guys, or however it works, everyone has to do their responsibility in manner, whatever they end up doing. And if one guy blows it, you know, it's a touchdown. And it's very difficult for them if they have to, you know, play closer or whatever they do. Um, so I'm definitely worried about them in that regard. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, is the wild card. But so, yeah, Fitzpatrick, the defensive line, but also Washington football team has a lot of pass catchers. I'm shocked they didn't go quarterback because this would be a really good group. Yeah, work with a young quarterback or even not as old veteran quarterback. (laughs) Um, So we'll see. I really don't know what they're going to throw at us, but I'm worried about this game.
1: Yeah, and on a similar note, uh, the Cowboys in week two, uh, I I think the way that they lose that game is a shootout type environment. You know, if you get into a 38-35 kind of game with Cowboys, I think that really lends itself to them. And you want to talk about receivers – they are a really tough team to play in that regard. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with Michael Davis and Amari Cooper. Like, I think that can work out well enough just because Michael Davis has the speed. He does have the strength, I think, to keep up with him. But then you're presented with, okay, are we really going to let CeeDee Lamb run, run roughshod over, like, I guess Chris Harris is the slot corner? You know, like, that yeah. is a really tough situation. And then... Asante Samuel Jr. in a second game probably has to cover Michael Gallup. And, like, Michael Gallup isn't, like, an incredible receiver or anything. Solid, though. But, yeah, he's solid. And he could be wide receiver, too, I think, on a lot of teams that aren't Dallas. Um, so, to me, plus Dak, plus, you know, the Zeke and Tony Pollard, you know, like, one-two kind of punch that they have in the run game, that just strikes me as a sort of game where it's like, I could see the secondary kind of getting torn apart a little bit early, you know, early in the season, early in the game. And then, you know, the Cowboys are capable of running that ball with the offensive line they have and, and maybe preserving a lead. So um, I, I sort of see that as maybe kind of like a Tampa game that goes like back and forth, back and forth. But um, yeah, the, the the matchup that stuck out to me watching it as an area of concern is like just, you know, Asante J- Samuel Jr. in his second game, having to go against the Cowboys receivers and, you know, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper just wreaking havoc. Like that just, it, it just doesn't seem like a great matchup. Well, uh, you know, we're kind of on the theme of, of skill players here. And then obviously applies <laughs> to
2: week three at the Kansas City Chiefs. And yeah. I mean, outside of Tyree Kill, I'm not super concerned about their wide receiver depth chart. You know, I think Demarcus Robinson is, is okay. You know, I obviously think that, you know, they made it a priority to focus on the offensive line, but, they still have Tyreek Hill. They still have Travis Kelsey. And if there is one team where you need Derwin James to be 100% healthy, it is this game and it is this Travis Kelsey. And so, you know, I think a lot of Chargers fans have, have been kind of poking fun at Chiefs fans in the off season about saying that he's one of the best tight ends ever. But I mean, he was second in the league in yards last year, and he probably could have challenged Stephon, Giggs, Stephon Diggs if he played week 17. So, You know, Travis Kelsey is still as good as it gets at the tight end position. And if Derwin James is banged up or, you know, if they're not using him at 100% capacity yet, which, you know, I I think he will be. But, you know, I'm a little worried about their potential plan to cover a guy like Travis Kelsey without Derwin James. So um, I'm always worried about Tyreek Hill and, and, you know, his ability, his game-wrecking ability, which you've seen time and time again. You know, like that game against in Tampa Bay in the regular season when he had like 270 yards, like in the first half. So I'll always be worried about the skill players of the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think that, you know, I think the Chiefs. Will, I picked the Chargers to win this game when we did it, um, but if they are, if they don't win, it's because of the skill players. Like that's it's as simple as that. And you add in a potential Clyde Edwards-Helaire breakout season. You know, there's mm. that many more weapons to worry about and we like when the Chiefs made that pick we were all like oh shit like this that's the perfect pick like yeah. you know you add Clyde edwards helaire who Andy Reid compared to Brian Westbrook and you know that's a as good of a three-headed monster you know if he pans out obviously as there is in the league so um the first three weeks it definitely seems like it's all about the skilled players
1: You mentioned uh, Tyreek Hill, and the first thing I thought of was not the Tampa Bay game, but rather the Week 2 game they played last year where the Chiefs really couldn't get anything going on offense until they just get that impossible ball Mahomes threw to Tyreek Hill with Mm -hmm. Chris Harris in coverage. Uh, And that's what really turned that game uh, and gave the Chiefs a chance to win. So really... The, the danger of their offense is not any specific weapon, but rather just they're one play away from you losing the game. Right. 17 yeah, three. Yeah. I've always felt like,
2: you know, the comparison between like, you know, in, in terms of another sport, like they're so similar to what the Warriors were when they were in their prime. Like you, you knew at some point there was going to be a Steph Curry, Kevin Durant barrage of threes and, and you just had to be able to weather the storm, and most teams couldn't. And so it's the same thing with the Chiefs. You know that eventually Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are going to go off, get a couple touchdowns, make a run, and you just got to be able to have the team to withstand it. And the Chargers haven't had that in the past, so we'll see if that changes this year. Um, but week four, Tyler gets to, set, gets to tell everybody how his dad's her team is going to beat the Chargers now.
3: God. Okay, so if the Chargers are not going to stop the Raiders, it's not very different than what happened last year where they couldn't stop the run. Now, granted, the Raiders have lost some players on the offensive line, but according to Mayock and my own father, the Raiders feel like they have done enough to rebuild that line. Um, I'm not sure i buy that, but the significant uh, selection of Leatherwood is something, and they do get Richie Incognito back, who was missing if not all of the season, most of the season last year. So now their center is Andre James, apparently. I thought it was Nick Martin going to start, but on the depth chart on the website, it's Andre James who had one snap last season. So that's a big difference between him and Hudson. Um, Maybe the depth chart is wrong. I don't know. Um, So if they do feel like they have an offensive line and they do feel like they can bully and they want to stick with that Josh Jacobs, whatever, or Kenyon Drake, whatever they want to do. Um, then it's going to be tough, I suppose. I don't know if at this point – I mean, I, I suppose at this point with Ezekiel Elliott and you know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I guess we'll sort of know how the charges are against the run, but I still feel like the Raiders put so much emphasis on Jacobs that it'll be a really good test for them. If they can't stop the run, they'll lose. The other problem would be, in my opinion, Henry Ruggs, because when I watched the first few games with my dad, watching the Raiders play like Carolina, there was an obvious plan for what they wanted to do with Henry Ruggs, and he was – you know, they would give him, like, five targets or whatever that game, but they were all unique routes or locations mm. on the field. And, and then he got hurt, and then it feels like he just lost that rhythm and had some drop issues and never really got back to it. But heading into year two with some chemistry, with some reps, you know, I do think, you know, he's going to be a little bit better this year, and they'll have, like, an official plan with him healthy. And I don't know what to expect from him uh, because they, they looked like they were doing so much with him and then they really reeled him in. So if they unleash him again this year, we'll see if the Chargers can hang. The other thing I'm really worried about is a Casey Hayward revenge game. I do think he has something left in the tank. And while, you know, I'm pretty sure Jalen Guyton can beat Casey Hayward at this point. But, you know, I don't know. Casey Hayward might just have something left in the tank. He might take this really personally. Fire up the defense. Um so we'll we'll see about that one. The reason I will never say is Gus Bradley. I will never say that he's the reason the Chargers will lose this game.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, and week week five, I think, arguably I, I don't want to say it's their hardest game of the season, uh, against the Browns, but uh the power of the chump. Uh they have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt just coming at you and like I don't know if the Chargers can stop that yet. Like that—that is, we talk about their run defense against the Raiders in that game last year. On the edges, Um, they they certainly didn't have the power to stop that. And you're going against an offensive line that you know was arguably the best offensive line in the NFL last year. Uh, You know, projects to be one of the best heading into this year, also. So to me, that game is all about the trenches too. On the defensive side of the ball, you have Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, who we just mentioned you know, coming at you, and that's a test for an offensive line that may still, you know, be kind of figuring itself out together um, in, in terms of, you know, the matchups and how to really play with one another. So that's a really concerning game to me. And, you know, like, honestly, th- that's a team that doesn't need, like, Baker Mayfield to go off on you, right? Like, yeah. they can win without that happening and him just controlling the pace of the game. So even just getting enough pressure on him, might not be enough, especially if, say, Kareem Hunt has, you know, a big day or Nick Chubb has 100-plus yards, right? So that, to me, is the problem in that game is we just haven't seen the new chargers, particularly the offensive line, in the trenches yet, and we haven't seen the defensive uh, kind of line coaching improvement in the trenches. So that's kind of my hesitance about this game is not any specific skill player, but rather just how – uh, strong are the Chargers in the trenches this year.
2: Yeah, you know, this, this Browns game is, to me, it's definitely one that I have circled because I think, you know, let, let's let say for a second here the Chargers are able to win, you know, in their three and they're 3-1 and at this point heading into week five. I think, you know, this Browns game could be a potent, one of those potential – you know, really momentum-setting type of games for this Chargers, because I do think the Browns on paper have a really good roster. They're so well coached with Kevin Kevin Stefanski. Um, And this could definitely be a game that allows the Chargers to springboard into some more success and and go on a a bit of a run here. Um, But, you know, we'll have to see how that obviously pans out. So we have the first three games, theme of – of uh, skill players, opposing skill players, and now we get a three-game stretch of the theme of the rushing attack. And that's obviously, you know, option number one, or, or, you know, priority number one, rather, of stopping the Baltimore Ravens is stopping the run or at least, you know, controlling it somewhat. And so we've seen teams in the past that have been able to, you know, really kind of bottle up the Baltimore offense. It's because they really focus on the run. And so – you know, the Ravens in the past have not had the kind of skill players to really threaten anybody on the outside. Now they add Sammy Watkins, who I know he's, he, you know, is a perennial questionable player who's always hurt, it seems like. But then you have Rashad Bateman, Tylan Wallace, two receivers who all three of us really, really like this year. Um, so it, it's going to be a little harder for teams to really sell out against the run. Um, You know, and if you're able – if the Ravens are able to use those receivers and, you know, have some have more success, you know, in the air, obviously you have Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews as well. And if the Chargers are not able to kind of stop the pass and they're not able to sell out against the run, this could be an ugly, ugly game for them, I think, because, you know, Lamar Jackson is just such a unique challenge as a rusher, and then you add in J.K. Dobbins, who I think is going to be one of the best running backs in the league this year, and that's really how you lose this game, is you let the Baltimore offense kind of dictate terms and, and really have a balanced attack, which I think, you know, is priority number one for them as well.
3: Could you run down the receiving core again for them?
2: Uh, Yes. So they have Hollywood Brown. Let me just pull it up make sure I don't miss anybody. No problem. Um, I know you have Hollywood Brown, you have Sammy Watkins, you have Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace. Um, I yeah. think um, I think Sneed is somewhere else this year. So I think Devin Duvernay is going to be their main slot receiver. Um, um, here we go. It's a solid yes. group. So receivers on the team, uh, Rashad Bateman, Miles Boykin, um, he's got kind of another jump ball guy from Notre mm-hmm. Dame. Uh, Hollywood Brown, Deion Kane, Devin Duvernay, uh, Jalen Moore. I don't know who that is. James Prochet from SMU. Dante Selenix. I don't even know who that was. He's an rookie, undrafted rookie from Graceland College. Uh, mm-hmm. Benjamin Victor, Tylen Wallace, and then Sammy Watkins. Soon to be maybe Julio Jones? Yeah. And if they add Julio Jones, that obviously becomes a much tougher game than it already is.
3: Well, I could say that same thing for this next team, the New England Patriots, after the bye. Thankfully, Mm. Staley is pretty solid after the bye, at least in terms of his defense, how he is as a team overall. I don't know. Now, thankfully, the the receiving room for this team is not as bad with Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and Jacoby Myers, Akil Harry, and a bunch (laughs) of guys who's, I don't even, I mean, whatever. Um, not that that stopped them from <laughs> beating up the Chargers last season, yeah. um, but I don't, you know, I, I think they'll have a better shot this year. To me, it doesn't really come down as much to, you know, is Staley will Belichick outsmart Staley? I don't really think that'll be the case. I just think that Belichick's team and the established team that they've had there for so long will just out execute the Chargers at this point. And I'm not saying that the Chargers will be sloppy. It's just I think the Patriots in the Patriot way, like the way that they, you know, the proper execution and zero penalties and smart, you know, heads up plays. I just don't know if the Chargers are there yet, particularly on special teams. Like the Chargers may be average this season, which is great. That's a huge jump for them, but the Patriots will still be better. And maybe the Chargers will have a much better defense this season. Um, But I just think the Patriots will be a little bit better. The other issue is that, once Keenan Allen is gone and when he's taken away, when he's inevitably taken away in this game, and he's probably going to be the guy that Belichick takes away, can anyone else on this team step up? You know, Williams did not produce against New England as a number one option. You know, it, who else is going to step up in that time? Guyton Johnson, I don't know. Is it Cook? Is it Palmer? You know, um, Williams, so in the four game stretch of games where Allen was either taken away or injured, um, so in New England, Buffalo, Vegas, and Denver, I guess you can include Miami too. Uh, he only had 13 catches on 26 targets, 145 yards. And if it comes down to that in this game, where it's like Allen is gone and hopefully Elkler's on the field, but in terms of the receiving group, like is he going to be able to step up? I don't think so, which is sad because at week eight he's still not stepping up Then you know he's going to be gone at the end of the season. Mm. Um, so I, I'm definitely worried about that um, because Allen is going to be taken away and can can the offense get anything going? I don't know. But, again, it's funny. I still have not brought up the offensive line as an issue. Like, I do think that as as difficult as this Patriots defense is or the Washington football defense is, I think this offensive line is going to hang.
2: Well, I know, at least in this particular matchup, right, the the Patriots, in terms of defensive line talent and in terms of, you know, people that could threaten them, you know, I know they have Matthew Judon, but I'm not, like, super worried on paper. It was just last year what Mm -hmm. gave the Chargers fits was – honestly, just simple stunts and games. Like, you know, you, you practice against these kind of stuff in high school, and Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney, and I think Trey Turner was in that, that game, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. You know, the trio of the interior offensive line just couldn't handle it. And, you know, they weren't throwing, like, any extravagant blitz packages at them. It was just simple, basic stuff. But I think it might have just been, like, the frequency in which they were doing it maybe just overwhelmed them. But, you know, with Corey Lindsay, Matt Filer, and Ode Abushi, I'd, I feel more confident, you know, about the interior trio, at least in terms of, you know, their ability to pick up stunts and games than, you know, last year.
1: Mm-hmm. So I suppose now it's time to talk about the Eagles on my Eagles podcast, <laughs> um, which, which we devised for me to talk about them this week. Um I sort of think how the Eagles win this game is just um, they're, they're really good. I think at least they're running the ball with the offensive line. They have obviously last year, their offensive line wasn't healthy because they didn't have Brandon Brooks and Kelsey and Jet Lane Johnson for various parts of the season, but they're actually a little bit deep at running back. I feel this year, they do have Miles Sanders, obviously Boston Scott carry on Johnson uh, and they picked up Gangwell in the draft. So I do kind of like that group. Um, And, you know, we don't really know what Jalen Hurts is going to be at all. Uh, I said that last podcast, and that's the thing that concerns me. If that guy has some more development, or like we talked about in later weeks, uh, if Joe Burrow or Daniel Jones has some more development, like that could create a a more important, you know, game for the Chargers than it looks like on paper. Because right now it doesn't seem like you would have to be worried about that, but we've seen quarterbacks develop at fast rates before. I mean, the quarterback we currently have now was the product of that last year. Yeah. Um so and then their defensive line I think is a little bit scary and maybe not as scary as uh, Washington or some of the other teams but they they do have Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Derek Barnett and the recently signed uh Ryan Kerrigan. so like that's a group that's right. that I think can give the Chargers some problems, Um, and so, you know, if you're looking to get pressure on Herbert, right, the the Chargers' way to win this game is getting pressure on Hertz. The Eagles' way to win this game is getting pressure on Herbert and not letting him throw to uh, a secondary that is well below average, in my opinion. Uh, So I I think if you get pressure on Herbert uh, and, you know, the Eagles have a little bit of a run game with their offensive line, maybe with some design Jalen Hurts draws, I think that's sort of the way that the Eagles, maybe surprisingly, could win this game. Well, the Eagles drafted a couple of pass rushers too, didn't they? Yeah, um, they had the guy uh, Jackson from, uh, uh, yeah, Teron Jackson and Marlon oh. Tulipello to Milton Williams, uh, all those Milton kinds Williams of guys. Milton Williams out, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think you know the defensive line of the Eagles, I think, is, is definitely the matchup to watch there. Um, you know, Fletcher Cox is, is definitely getting up there in age. But, I mean, he's still capable, very capable of, of wrecking a game. So, that's going to be a good challenge for the Chargers offensive lines. All right. So, week 10, uh, the Chargers will host the Vikings. I think, you know, one of the things, you know, that I thought was a little interesting the other day is that CBS ranked, you know, the best triplets in the league. And they had the Vikings up in, I think it was, like, number seven with Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, and Dalvin Cook. And, you know, on paper, the, the Vikings offense is is very talented, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest believer in Kirk Cousins, but, you know, he, he is a top, you know, 15 quarterback who can get the job done. And, and if he has protection, which it's, it certainly seems like the Vikings offensive line is going to be much better this year with the additions of Christian Derisaw and Wyatt Davis, um, I still can't believe that they were able to trade back and still get Derisaw at, like, 22 or whatever. Um, but I, I think, you know, this it, This is the game that I think could have some sneaky potential for a shootout again. Um, I'm not super worried about the defense, to be honest with you. You know, Patrick Peterson, I think, you know, is, is a fine, you know, kind of bridge corner because their defense was so, so bad last season. So I, I think if the Chargers are going to lose this game, it, frankly, it's on the shoulders of Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, who I think, offensively, the skill talent for the Vikings is very, very good. Yeah, absolutely.
3: I'll go with week 11 next. Um, I know the Vikings initially, when the new game was announced, they put out a like a tweet or a video that was like, see you there. And it was all the Vikings fans that were at StubHub the last time they played. Yeah. Uh, and this game against the Steelers is, is no different. I think this is the first game where fan attendance is a legitimate problem. If I had to pick any game of the season, that's going to be a problem. I do think it's this one on primetime. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be there with you guys and, and whoever shows up. Please don't leave me alone. Um, <laughs> if I had to pick a reason they lose this game, and, you know, I don't really think it's really Roethlisberger. I don't really think it's the defense. You know, just double-team T.J. Watt, and he'll be like, what is this, a double-team? Because he was never double-teamed. Um, so I think if you just double-team him, he'll just kind of be stunned for a whole game. Yeah. I'm worried about Najee Harris because apparently and understandably, he's already taking those practice reps ahead of the veterans, which makes sense, um, but clearly they're going to feature him. And can the Chargers handle a running back who handles 30 touches a game? And, you know, part of the reason that, you know, Staley likes his safeties and he can play that 3-4 is because those safeties, you know, once they make their reads, and if they read run, they have to come downhill and make a play in the run game. And can Nasir Adderley come from his safety spot and make that tackle Do I trust Adderley to lay the smack on Najee Harris over and over again? I don't know yet. So if I'm going to pick a reason they lose, it's because I don't know if the defense can handle a guy who's going to take 30 touches a game and who can break tackles and is a really, really good running back.
2: Yeah. Well, and according to PFF too, you know, you've got, Deontay Johnson and um, Chase Claypool, (laughs) who are the best duo in in the league, according to PFF. um, But I I think Najee Harris is going to be a big, big problem. And I would have loved to see the Steelers, you know, get him some offensive line help. But I I still think Najee Harris is going to be a special player.
1: I mean, Deontay Johnson, I think, is in that tier of receivers, of would be a top 10 receiver if he simply did not drop the football. (laughs) <laughs> um, he, that that he's in that group. Uh, yeah. so yeah. yeah. Um, the next game is obviously the Broncos. Uh, we obviously talked a little bit about this one last time in terms of how they win the game, and obviously they'll play them twice. But uh, this game's in Denver. Uh, and the Chargers never win in Denver. <laughs> like, that's just the reality. Yeah. Um, and the thing I talked a little bit about last time is the coaching matchup. It, it's Fangio. It's Brandon Staley. They obviously are both very familiar with each other, and I could sort of see, you know, by this point in the season, you know, you'll have 10, 11 weeks worth of tape on Staley defenses, uh, on Lombardi offenses, and that just seems like maybe a matchup that tips its way towards Fangio in terms of knowing what to prepare for and sort of knowing what's coming, Um, so I think coaching is probably uh, an issue, but Honestly, the Broncos roster is really talented, and it's why people are talking about Aaron Rodgers and upgrading the quarterback position, because if you just do that, this is a team that can win the AFC, arguably. And so, you know, the Chargers probably lose that second game against the Broncos last year if Jerry Judy doesn't drop the ball a bunch of times and have this disconnect with Drew (laughs) Locke. They probably straight up lose that game. Um, So I think that's kind of the issue with their receiving core. They got Corlandson Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. Hamler might be their, like, fourth receiver, and he's really good. Yeah. Uh, and, obviously, they just drafted Javante Williams. Um, you know, obviously, always a chance for a Melvin Gordon revenge game. Um, like we talked about with Casey Hayward, he'll yeah. want to stick it to the Chargers. So, that's not great. Um, and... Their defense is just, like, it's not a lot of, like, flashy guys, I think, in my opinion, outside of Savon Miller uh, and Justin Simmons. Like, I I think those are their two sort of stars right now. But Bradley Chubb is still good. Um, Their defensive line uh, with those two coming back off the edge I think will be great. Um, And they have a full secondary now, just secondary that, like, reminds me sort of, like, what Miami had Uh, going into that game last year uh, against the Chargers. You Mm -hmm. know, uh, this team has, like, Kyle Fuller, obviously, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, Ronald Darmy, Patrick Sertan, and they just drafted uh, Caden Stearns, who and still have Michael Ojemudia. So they just have so many things. And Bryce Callahan, too. Yeah. So they have just so many things in the secondary they can throw at you. And we talked about the Chargers uh, or the Dolphins giving the Chargers so many different looks last year. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Broncos are that kind of team this year, where they can throw so many different guys at you, um, and also just make it really hard uh, for Herbert. But based on you know the amount of looks, and they'll actually have you know substantial uh, tape on him as they go into this game this year.
2: Yeah, you know, like uh, looking at the Bron- the Broncos defense, man. Like Bryce Callahan as your third corner. That's amazing. And Ronald Darby, who they signed to a long-term deal, might be their fifth most talented corner. And, like, that's just, you know, kind of unfair. But I'm definitely jealous of that secondary for sure. Um, all right, so the Cincinnati Bengals are next on the schedule. Let's hear it. Um, just really quickly, you know. So, know.
1: if an asteroid hits third <laughs> and then, you know, they cannot play the game, the Chargers must forfeit, that's how to lose the game. <laughs> Oh, man. But really quickly, I, I do want to run down the
2: uh, the Bengals schedule because it, it is tough. I think, you know, the, the reason why I feel like this is a trap game for the Chargers is just because I don't think the Bengals are going to have very many wins at this point. So they open the season hosting the Vikings. Then they play at Chicago, at Pittsburgh, home against the Jaguars, home against the Packers. Obviously, if Aaron Rodgers is playing that or not, that obviously will influence that game. Um, at Detroit at Baltimore, at the Jets, host the Browns, they have their bye, and then they play at the Raiders, host the Steelers, and then week 13 they host the Charters. So that's three, maybe four wins at this point in the season for the Bengals. And so I I just – to me, this this screams trap game because I think the Bengals would be, you know, highly motivated to get some wins under their belt and potentially save – you know, their head coach, because Zach Taylor has been atrocious as a head coach for the Bengals. Granted, he hasn't had the greatest talent. Um, And obviously, Joe Burrow being out for half the season last year definitely impacted them. But on paper, the Bengals have a good roster, at least on offense. And, you know, if there's a game where I could see the Chargers maybe coming out slow, for whatever reason, they do not play Mm -hmm. super well in the state of Ohio. Um, I don't know specifically what has led to that. Um, but I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon, you know, that's a really good offensive young core. And at this point in the season, the Bengals who are probably going to be, you know, out of the playoffs, frankly, uh, could definitely, you know, be a trap game. The Chargers who potentially be, you know, heading towards the playoff hunt. So um, really this is just a game that I think is a trap game on paper. There's really nothing that, scares me and points to this is where the Bengals have a clear advantage because their offensive line's not very good you know i i think their receiving trio is is good but they're all young players who still have to prove some more things and then their defense frankly is just not very good so to me this is just more about traveling to ohio and potentially being a trap game for the chargers and that's you know kind of why i think they could lose theoretically
1: I think the slow start is a legitimate point because out of all the places on earth that I would like to be at 1 p.m. on a Sunday, (laughs) Cincinnati, Ohio ranks dead last uh, (laughs) in the entire world. Uh, I would rather be, you know, in the worst country in the world than be in Cincinnati, Ohio, like just the worst (laughs) place in the world. Like (laughs) Cleveland. Have you been? I've been to Ohio. I've never been to Cincinnati, but I don't want to go there. Um, Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland was terrible enough on its own, and now you're going to a city that is worse. Like, you know, I mean, LeBron wanted to leave Cleveland for a reason. Like, who wants to go to Cincinnati? Like, Andy Dalton was dying to get out of there. Oh my gosh, is there some kind of like
2: Pennsylvania,
1: Ohio rivalry that I don't know about? <laughs> no, Cincinnati's just objectively terrible. Name one good thing <laughs> from Cincinnati. Like, go. There's nothing.
2: Oh, man. Just I apologize just to our, to our Cincinnati yeah. listeners. But honestly, <laughs> just to wrap it up here, after the Chargers, the, the Bengals play the 49ers, the Broncos, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and they finish at Cleveland Browns. So it's going to be a tough season for the Bengals overall.
3: Yeah, but they'll be in a nice job spot to take another receiver to boost their receiving core and <laughs> fuck the quarterback. Um, I'm going to, so next one is the Giants. At this point in the schedule, it's kind of like finding random reasons the Chargers would lose. Yeah. I suppose that this by this game we'll know if the Chargers can handle a mobile quarterback. Um, but Jones can be a backbreaker in the run game. You know, he had 17 first downs with his legs last season, averaging eight yards per attempt on scrambles, which is nearly a first down. As is the only thing that can apparently stop him are gophers in the field or snipers. Uh, and they did add a lot of talent at wide receiver and you know they have their yeah. receiver and, and tight end talent. I mean, you add Kenny Galladay, you add John Ross, you add Kadarius Tony. They even added Calvin Benjamin to play tight end, which is hilarious when everyone talks about Tyrod Taylor. Like his best receiver at one point is now playing tight end for the Giants because he got too fat.
0: <laughs>
3: Those guys with Sterling Shepard, it's a really good combination of guys who can either run routes or just pure speed or yards after contact in the catch kind of guy. Um, and then the final reason, of course, if I have to talk about you know, Najee Harris being a problem, Saquon Barkley can also be a problem for the Chargers as well. I do think they'll win this game, but if they lose, it's for those reasons.
2: You know, this is Tim Tebow's legacy, right?
3: <laughs> you know, as soon as Tim Tebow
2: signs, Kelvin Benjamin comes out of retirement at a different position. Now we have Brandon Jacobs, a former running back, trying to play defensive end. That's right. So this is Tim Tebow's legacy, man. That's not even
1: Cintibo's legacy. That's Urban Meyer's legacy.
2: For for <laughs> letting this
1: entire thing happen and next week you'll see Troy Polamalu wants to be a running back. I don't know.
0: Like but I'd buy that
1: though. Uh, that would be awesome to watch, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, Alex, week fifteen.
1: Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the Chiefs, I think at this point in the season, we kind of mentioned it in the last podcast, but, like, I think it's easier to get the Chiefs earlier in the season, yeah. um, maybe in that Kansas City game and get a win there than it is here, just because this is when the Chiefs start to round into a form. We presume by this point that they'll be sort of competing for that one seed. It is on Thursday night football Um, you know, this late in the year. So I think this is going to be a really tough game. I mean, like, I'm not going to go revisionist history and say that they should have lost the Mike Williams game um, because that was a 28-14 game in Kansas City. But, you know, that's when the Chiefs were kind of at their best and then they just kind of collapsed in those last five minutes. But um, Chiefs are just really tough, I think, to play this late in the year. We talked about the amount of ways that they can beat you. Uh, and their defense is no slouch either, um, not just, you know, on offense, but they do have Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark and, and all these guys that have made, you know, uh, kind of career rejuvenations on the Chiefs uh, and, you know, have made that sort of a championship-level defense. So I would just say the way that they lose this game is by, you know, an Andy Reid kind of game that's, you know, a, a little bit maybe slow pace, but they're just the Chiefs just slowly chipping away at you. And then by the time you know it, you're kind of down, like, you know, 14 in the fourth quarter like they were uh, a couple years ago. And, uh, yeah, so that's sort of how I think they lose this game. Um, Nothing too special, just the Chiefs are that good. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think this is a game the Chargers need to have. It would be great to have it, but I honestly think there's a better chance that they win in that week four matchup where they can catch the Chiefs off guard Rather than this matchup, where the Chiefs will be all dialed in by
3: this point. When have the Chargers beaten the Chiefs early? Uh, I can't think of the game that they've won early.
1: I, I can't think of the game, but I, get, I get what you
3: mean by the team in general, though. Yeah,
1: I mean, like the games that they've won late were like the say he adjourned. I mean, they haven't beaten the Chiefs that often. <laughs> it's the say it's he adjured two oh, game yeah, and one. the Mike Williams <laughs> game. Uh, those are both late in the season. Um. But those were also both in Kansas City, and I guess they played Kansas City in week four. So, I don't know. Like, I, I they almost did beat them last year in week two. I, I just think by this point in the season, with the Chiefs going for the one seed, which, you know, they've been traditionally very good at, you know, locking that up late in the year, I, I just don't think they lose this game in primetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I am grateful, though, that the Chargers are uh, essentially getting a bye week after yeah, let's hear this, this game. Um, the the week sixteen against matchup against the Texans, Tyrod Taylor revenge game. I guess like
1: this this I said I said asteroid hits the earth with the Bengals. This is the real asteroid. The asteroid the yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just I mean we railed on the Texans enough last time. There the Chargers are not losing this game. Like it unless you know there are just a ton of injuries on the Charger side. Uh, there are there's
1: a zero percent chance I think that the Chargers lose this game. If Tyrod Taylor sticks a needle into Justin Herbert's lungs,
0: <laughs>
1: that's how
2: they lose. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. It's not happening. So uh, we'll move on to Week 17.
3: Yeah, for the most part, Alex has covered in everything with the Broncos. At this yeah. point, I'm looking at injuries. Um, you know, uh. When Bosa was in, they were killing the Broncos. And as soon as he was taken out, the team yeah. fell apart. If they're banged up, can they keep up? And, you know, if I, unfortunately, if I'm putting my money on guys to miss time this season, it's everybody in the front seven, Bosa, and Mosu, Tranquil, White, Joseph. Um, you know, and half those players are missing. You know, Melvin Gordon can have a good game. And, and Javante Williams, who I know Stephen had him really close to Najee mm-hmm. Harris. I don't yeah. think he was far off from me either. A guy who can break tackles like, you know, in the best in the business. Yeah, you know, I don't know if this team can hold up against that. So, it really just comes down to injuries at this point for me. They are playing at home. I do think they're the better team. Um and so if if they're healthy, they win. If they're not healthy, I'm a little bit worried. I still think they can win, but if they lose, it's because of what Alex already said and then of course injuries.
1: Yeah, um then we have the Raiders in week 18. Uh and so I don't know, like by this point in the season, we already sort of talked about the Raiders, but it is about who's healthy and I think more specifically uh, what both teams are playing for uh, yeah. by this point. You know, perhaps there's a world where, you know, the Chargers are going for a wild card type situation and the Raiders are out of it, but they want to play spoiler, right? <laughs> like, And uh, last year was kind of the opposite case in that final Raiders game where the Chargers were playing spoiler out of it and the Raiders were still trying to go for that seventh spot in the playoffs. But uh, I think this year you could see the role, uh, roles kind of flipped. It is in the Las Vegas DJ Roomba Toilet Stadium. Um, but, yeah, so uh, it's, it is a road game. I, I do assume it will be all Raiders fans, I mean, in that kind of stadium. But to me, there's not a lot of ways I think that the Chargers actually – well, it depends kind of what they're playing for and what the roster is at this point. But I just feel like if the Chargers are really going for a wild card and they have something left to play for – that they won't lose this game. Um, but, yeah, you never know. The roles could be reversed, and maybe the Chargers are, you know, playing spoiler to the Raiders, but uh, I, I don't see... <laughs> that would suck. But I don't see yeah. many ways, I guess, that um, it's sort of a really game with high stakes. I just feel like one team will probably be out of it by this point, given the state of the division. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the way that the Chargers lose this game getting run on but potentially by Josh Jacobs uh, and the guys they have back on there and just letting Derek Carr manage the game. Then again, this was a team that almost lost to Marcus Mariota last year. So, yeah. you know, at, at this point, who knows what either of these teams will be in Week 18. But uh, I think just in general, one team will be playing spoiler to another, and I could see that being the Raiders.
2: Yeah. You know, it's a shame that the, the tickets for the Raiders stadium in general have been so expensive because this game is uh, two days after my birthday. So I would love to make that trip up, but I'm not spending $600 on tickets to go do that. So um, yeah, I I think you guys hit the nail on the head the last two, the last two, three weeks for the Chargers is is definitely going to come down to injuries who's playing and, and you know, what kind of, you know, records each of those teams have. So uh, looks like Alex is is frozen again, so we'll'll we'll, we'll wrap this up today., uh, Tyler,
3: any other thoughts before we head out we head out for uh, this episode? You know for for whatever reason, while we were talking about this or while you were talking, I got nervous about that Bengals game. I don't know why. everything you said, I like already kind of knew and thought of. and but for some reason, I got really nervous about that game. So uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but we'll see when we get there. I hope Tyrod Taylor has a revenge game and loses. Um, if anything um anyway that's it for me amanda if you're still listening congratulations on graduating with a 4.0 and uh yeah oh hey alex
1: hi there
2: we
3: go so
2: yeah you know i feel so bad for tyrod and i know i've said this a bunch but yeah man the fact that his like last shot of starting for a team is going to be on the texans just just really sucks for them um alex any final thoughts before we uh wrap up today's show
1: uh, no, no more final thoughts other than uh, we know the Julio trade is coming this week. So yeah. uh, everyone be rational about what the result of that is. I, I assume he's going to another team, but uh, yeah. I'm sure we'll hear a lot about, you know, what the compensation is. I know there was a report about second-round pick for the Titans, which seems weird. Uh, but, yeah, no, I'm excited to see how that goes, and then we can move on with our lives and talk about the team we're <laughs> supposed to cover instead of Julio Jones.
3: Yeah, you abused. know, there's there's <laughs> been
2: a ton of smoke about Julio Jones, and, you know, like three days ago, Diana Rossini said that the Titans were viewed as a long shot, and then today Mike Florio's <laughs> like, no, it feels like that's the thing that's going to happen, so uh, we'll have to see, you know, June 1st, obviously, is is Tuesday, it's coming, um, it feels like we've had so many trade rumors throughout the offseason, you know, between Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and Sean Watson and now Julio Jones, um, so it's been fun to see but also kind of disappointing to see that Julio Jones is going to be the only one that gets traded Um, so we'll have to see how that one pans out Um, as always make sure and leave us a rating or a review subscribe to our YouTube channel Uh, we can't thank you guys enough for the support and we'll see you next time